Welcome to Web of Tomorrow. I'm Adam Harris. On this episode, I talked with Mike Linksveyer about copyright and software licenses. Mike is a technology entrepreneur, developer, and activist. He was a CTO and then the vice president of Creative Commons and is now on the legal team at GitHub. So tell us about some of the things you work on at GitHub. So I helped the company a lot internally with uh, deciding what to open source and what licenses and related policies go around with open sourcing materials and also help vet dependencies that we'll end up using in our software uh, based on what licenses those dependencies are using in their province. And I also help our open source team uh, which kind of has a developer re- developer relations focus, I guess, with some of their projects, which are meant to help GitHub users and uh, and companies uh, participate more in open source, and more participate more and better in open source. I I guess um, fundamentally that means more users and customers for GitHub since we're the premier place to develop open source projects. And so some of those, I mean, I, I mentioned that because some of those projects are are quite public, so I can talk about them. Uh, like we released open source guides uh, fairly recently, which has, uh, I think, very well-crafted chapters on a bunch of different issues regarding participating in open source, starting a project. At, from both, from both the contributor and maintainer perspective. And uh, one of those is uh, the legal side of open source. Every, at a very high level, all of the different issues that you need to think about when you're, uh, when you're running an open source project. And uh, choosealicense.com is an, always an older uh, informational site that I've been maintaining, although it, it predates me at GitHub. And we recently uh, launched a public version of our employee IP agreements called Balanced Employee IP Agreements that is a little bit more, well, like the name implies, balanced or progressive approach than most companies take to the assignment of IP to the company. Uh, which is something it's something that's ubiquitous in in the in- industry and also has all kinds of um, interesting public policy implications uh, because you want from uh, things like regional and national competitiveness angle to encourage new business starts and information to flow between businesses and open source is one of the ways that happens and but also people um, leaving leaving companies uh, is another way that happens. And we don't want to um, put undue restrictions on, on our employees because we want to be positive contributors to the ecosystem and also treat our employees um, the basically put our legal um, legal money where our mouths are, I guess, in terms of, of fostering work-life balance and and creativity is definitely part of that and we don't want to claim control over personal projects 
that was a little bit of a tantrum, but that's, that's probably the most recent public thing that I've worked on. Yeah, that's okay. Um, can you explain IP real quick, what it is? <laughs> yes, <laughs> intellectual property. So I mean, it's, it's actually a number of things, but depending on what it is, uh, somebody can essentially, it has exclusive control over something which really means that they can sue you if you use that thing. So to get a little less abstract, copyright is the main form of intellectual property that's pertinent to software. So whenever you create something in a fixed tangible medium is the lingo that's used. But basically whenever you type something in or write it on a napkin or record this podcast, for example. So that is that is opposed to just having an idea in your head? That is correct. The, 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 the tangible? Okay. Yes. Yes. It has to be tangible. So then that, that creates a, a work that's subject to copyright. And if you're the, the person who created it's typical or their company, that's where the IP assignment comes in. Somebody is typically the exclusive owner of that copyright. And that doesn't give them magical control over the spread of that work. What it does give them is the ability to sue people uh, who spread, who share or use, modify, et cetera, that work without getting their permission in advance. There are other kinds of intellectual property like uh, patents, which uh, usually thought of as covering inventions and those are not uh, creative works that are captured in tangible medium. It's usually something like a method for doing something. And patents have very controversial, controversially been applied to software in the last few decades, which means that um, you could implement some way of doing something in software. Some company has a patent on that method. And unbeknownst to you, you've uh, you've infringed on their patent and you or their or your customers or users could get sued many years down the down the line. Um, there's also trademarks and a bunch of lesser known forms of intellectual property. If someone is a small time GitHub open source person, they've, they've made an open source library or something. Uh, why, why should they care about legal stuff and, and licenses? Well, fundamentally, because as I said before, if you do, so I, I described before about how when you create something in a fixed tangible medium like software, then you're the exclusive owner, meaning and that basically means that if somebody else uses that software without your permission, you can send a takedown notice or sue them. And if you, and that's, one reason why you need to care about licensing if you're intending to develop and uh, develop an open source library, for example, because you actually want people to use it. And anyone who's savvy, for example, at a company, they're not going to use that software you create if you don't give them permission to in advance because they don't want the liability of using software that's under somebody else's copyright where the 
copyright holder hasn't granted permission because that fundamentally means that that copyright holder could sue them at any time. So maybe I should, and a light, what a license does is, well, what an open source license does is, is makes an offer to the public, it grants permission to the public from the copyright holder that, okay, you can do these things without asking me for permission. And I've basically waived my ability to sue you for doing those things. So if you want other people to use your software, then you need to offer a license because anybody savvy won't if you don't. And also when you start taking contributions from other people, those contributions are generally will be um, owned by the people making contributions to your project. And if your project is not using an open source license, then that basically means that it is a mess, legally speaking, because you have parts of it that are different people are the exclusive copyright holder of, and none of them have granted each other, let alone the public, a license, which means that well, not only is nobody savvy going to use that software, they're going to stay extra far away from it, but really you shouldn't be using it anymore either because you have you've incorporated contributions from other people and you haven't gotten copyright permission from them nor have they from you. Uh, so you really want to have an open source license ideally from the outset of releasing a project, but before you take any, um, any contributions from anyone else so that you have permission from them and you can actually use your project safely. <laughs> <laughs> so what can you do if you've already started a project and taken contributions and you don't have a license yet? Um, you want to ask the, contrib the contributors to the project for their agreements to release it under whatever license. And is there a, and, a, a, a certain process for that? Um, usually, I mean, it depends on the scale of it. Usually for a new project that only has a few contributors and realizes, oh, I need a license. I mean, often it'll be one of the contributors who has maybe been involved in long, open source longer will make a pull request and say, here's the license I suggest. And you'll generally just want to ping the other contributors say, hey, is this, is this cool? Um, if a project has been going for a long time and uh, then it might be more involved to track down everybody. But in that case, I mean, it's basically you can think of uh, licensing a project initially as being a, when it hasn't been under any license as a particular case of relicensing a project. And whenever you're changing the license of a project and you can see why adding a license is sort of a special case of changing the license. You need permission from the people or copyright holders in the project. Um, so there have been, there's a, there's a section of the, of the legal side of open source guide and the open source guys that talks about this, this briefly, but for really big projects that have hundreds of contributors over many years and they decide they want to change the license, then they need to, then that can be a multi-year process of tracking down everybody and figuring out whether the person or the employer, or in some cases the, the heirs own the 
own the copyright and can give permission for the new license. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to ask if someone is dead, then then really you need their heirs, heirs permission? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the case I mentioned in the, um, in the open source guide about legal issues is the Mozilla relicensing of the Netscape code. Uh, I mean, this is now 10 years ago or so, but it actually took them several years because there were so many uh, so many contributors, I believe that there were a few errors involved. It, I mean, is it possible to change it to from one license to another without needing everyone's permission? It, it depends on what depends, license. Depends on what licenses, right? Is is there an example right, where exactly. you can change? You can easily change from one to another. Yes, I. I mean, ch- changing is not exact. Is Effectively, you can change it. That's not precisely the right way to think about it. So if you're using what's typically called a permissive license, which means it has very few conditions or conditions that are easy to fulfill, like the MIT license is probably the most common. Its only condition is uh, is to keep a copy of the license with the software. And by condition, I mean I'm giving you permission. The permission of the license is subject to this condition. So you can take advantage of the permissions from the copyright holders, contributors to the software, so long as you follow the conditions stipulated in the license. And in the case of MIT, the only condition is keep a copy of the license with the software. So if you want to change the license of a project that is under MIT to something that has more conditions, then you can easily, the current maintainers of the of the project that decide they want to make that change of license can do that just by having new contributions be under the new license, say the GPL, for example. And they don't need to ask permission from the prior contributors because all they need to do to maintain that permission is to keep a copy of the MIT license with with the project because that covers the contributions that have been made under that license. to that date. So you're not really, in that case, you're not really changing the license exactly, but it's very easy to continue using the prior contributions under the license that they were contributed under simply because uh, you can just keep a copy of the license. Um, So what are some common misconceptions about open source uh, licensing? Well, it's hard to know which ones are common. a very generic one is that it you don't really need a license. You just need to make the code public, and that's what open source is, literally source that's uh, visible to the public. And open source really has two parts. There's the availability of the source, and then the license is what makes it open because without that license, as I was describing before, anybody's a copyright holder in that project could sue anybody who distributes it and uses it. And that's not a very open way to proceed under that kind of legal threat. So, I mean, that's the fun, that's the most fundamental misconception. Um, uh, another common misconception is that free and open source, free software and open source licenses are different things. And sometimes people will say that permissive licenses like MIT are open source and copyleft licenses like the GPL are free software. 
in fact, all of those licenses are both open source and free software. If you look at the list of licenses published as approved, uh, published by the open source initiative as conforming to the open source definition and the licenses deemed as free by the Free Software Foundation, they are the same set of licenses with the same qualities. Really permissive licensing versus copyleft licensing are different strategies for doing free or open source software as opposed to different things entirely. Uh, so they're both free and open source software and the corresponding licenses are free and open source. Another misconception I think is, uh, I mean, it's broader about open source, but it, yeah, it gets talked about in terms of licenses. Uh, open source licensing is a business strategy, not a business model. It's, uh, and I think this has gone away to some extent, but it was, it was a big problem in the early years of free open source software that somehow uh, releasing software under an open source license was sufficient as a business and would somehow magically make people pay you under, I'm not exactly sure what theory, but really if you're thinking if you're, if you're thinking strategically about open source and licensing, it's, an open source license is part of a, is like a, a decision in pursuing a broader business strategy. It's not, it's not something that stands by itself. You mentioned a second ago, copyleft. Can you explain that really quick? So I, I mentioned license conditions before, and those are the things that you need to do in order to have the permission of the copyright holders who have granted you permissions with a license. So uh, permissive licenses, the only condition tends to be keeping a copy of copyright or other legal notices. Copyleft licenses add another condition to simplify greatly that the software, any changes you make to the software have to remain open source. So the GPL, there are, multiple, there are actually multiple versions of the GPL, but in general, the way that they implement this is by saying that you have to make the source code available to the software and you have to license your changes under the same license. So if code is under the MIT license, you're free to use it so long as you keep a copy of the copyright notice. You could even make your own proprietary software that includes that MIT license software. That's totally fine because it doesn't have any conditions about what the license of derivative works have to be. The Copyleft licenses like the GPL, if you make changes to the software, you have to license it under the GPL and you have to make the source code available. So basically, the, in general, copyleft licenses are a way of saying, I don't want my code to be used in proprietary software. It has to stay free and open source software. Okay. Um, can you also explain what, what you mean by derivative work? Uh, yes, uh, basically just means 
that you've changed the you've changed or added on to the in the case of software the source code so you've made patches if you if you change it if you change it you've created what's known in copyright terms as either a derivative work or an adaptation and that means that you are also a copyright holder in the work that you've modified because you've contributed some work in a fixed tangible medium. You've contributed some source code to that project. So you're also a copyright holder. But in order to make a derivative work, you need permission from the owners of the work that you're modifying. So you can think of it in uh, a, an example from outside of computers is if you're translating a book, then you have the author or the publisher of the book in English, for example, it's the copyright holder of the book, the person translating the book into uh, some other language needs permission from the you know copyright holder of the original book, but the translator also becomes a copyright holder. Um, and depending on the agreement they've made with the author or publisher of the original book, they might be able to Offer it under different under uh, under different terms, and and so so, uh, so something like the GPL basically says if you applied it to if the books was if the GPL was being used for books, it would say that the original author licensed the book under the GPL, and that means that it's giving permission to do translations have been given in advance, but. The translator has to release those translations under the GPL and say their source code to books. Then you know the the preferred modifiable form of the book has to be made available of the translations that other people can 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 continue to uh, make further changes and adaptations without fear of getting sued by either the original author or the translator. And that's fundamentally exactly the same as how it works with software. Yeah, the book books book example is interesting. What they have to provide the source for the translation. Does that mean the end result or how they got to the end result? Well, I mean, this is an odd thing with uh, in many kinds of workspace other than software. It's not entirely clear what the source form ought to be and actually the gpl is quite careful about this and actually talks about the preferred form for making modifications and and for a book that would all depend on how the book was authored in the first place i mean it it could that could mean markdown documents it could mean uh you know word processor documents uh whatever it most clearly would not it probably would not mean uh, you know, a PDF or a, uh, or a printed book. Yeah, or whatever. Yes, right. Yeah. So if, if the book was, if the original book was under the GPL and you provided a printed book under the GPL, but you did not uh, offer recipients of that book um, access to the Markdown or Word document or whatever, then you would not be in compliance with the with the GPL because you only fulfilled part of it, which was the, it has to be under, uh, has to be made under the same license. 
And, and that's actually a very common scenario that companies have to deal with when they're using uh, when they're using programs like the Linux kernel or Git, which are both under the GPL. That if they ship a modified, well, actually, if they ship any version of it, they have to offer the the recipients of that code the license, but also access to the source code. And with the with this translated book, would you be able to charge money for it? Yes, I, I mean that. Speaking of misconceptions, that's a, another misconception. I think is mostly gone that uh, free and open source software is about freedom. Think of it as freedom to operate, freedom to do stuff with the uh, with the licensed works, not about free as in price. So you're not uh, so you're completely free to charge money for uh, charge money for and and sell copies or use to make money open source software. You in fact a license that said that you that you cannot do that that you have to offer it at free as in price would not actually be an open source license. Okay, so then do you only have to provide the source code, the markdown file, the word document, whatever? to the recipients, only to the paying customers? Yes, to the recipients. So you could have an arrangement where you uh, where you modify some software under a copyleft license and only provide the software to paying customers. You have to offer them that license and, um, and access to the source code, but you don't have to offer to the public in general. You would you would only have to offer it to the public in general if you were offering the binaries to the public in general. Uh, now, of course, the customer themselves has it under the, the GPL, if that's the license being used, and they could share it if they wanted to. Um, you would have no recourse against them. Uh, although, although you could say that I'm no longer gonna do business with you and if you want, if you actually, if you actually want to pursue a business along these lines, then you definitely need to talk. You definitely need to get lawyers involved and make sure you have all of the details right. So, what license do you recommend for someone who's brand new to open source on GitHub? Uh, so, really, you should be using the license that whatever project you're contributing to is using. In fact, that's generally uh, what you have to do. And if you're starting a new project then you probably want to look at what license is being used in the particular ecosystem that you're participating in. So I mean, if you're, if you're publishing a node modules, then I think the NPM in it um, will create an ISC license for you. But I, and that's very, although I think MIT is the dominant license used. So, but those are both ISC licenses, MIT with a few words removed basically. Um, and doesn't has affects the same policy. Um, and if you have no idea whatsoever what community you're participating in, or don't know how to figure out what license is used in that community, then um, then MIT is a pretty safe choice because it's the most popular license on GitHub, and it is super easy to comply with. And like I was saying before, because it's so easy to comply with, you can move to another license later if you realize that you should have been using a different license. You just, if you have other contributors, you just need to keep a copy of the 
the MIT license route. So it's very flexible. I mean, the, the other thing to note is if you're working for a company, then it's very likely that they have policies around releasing stuff as open source or contributing to other contributing to open source projects. So you should probably uh, talk to another, if you don't know, probably your engineering buddy has done this and can point you to the right person in the open source programs office or legal department or whoever. And a company very likely has preferred licenses. And where do you put the license? Do you just make a license.md? Do you put it in the readme? Do you put it in every file of your source code or where do you put it? Uh, there are conflicting opinions on that, but the I, the bare minimum is generally putting it in the license or license.md or license.txt file. And that's a complete copy of the license. So it's very clear what your intention is. Um, there are a number of other places that you can put it so that people see it in different contexts and it shows up in different contexts. The readme is kind of the, the, the next place to put it. Um, often you'll find a license section at the bottom of a readme that says that this project is like under MIT. It's also a good, a good place to give people a heads up if your project incorporates third-party materials that might be under its own, their own licenses in a vendor directory or whatever. Um, and then you might also want to put it in a package, uh, basically a package manager metadata file, so like package.json or, uh, or the gem file or whatever. And there, typically well, there will be a license field where you just say MIT or ISC or GPL-3.0 or whatever. And the reason you might want to put it there is because uh, basically package, package aggregator sites will be able to read that metadata easily and display the license uh, that the project is under. Um, and then, oh, and then some projects mandate putting a note of the license in a uh, header comments in every file. And just that on the idea that makes it easier to uh, track the license if somebody takes that single file out of context and puts it someplace else. Um, so that's I, I, a lot of, I, I think that's lar the, the latter thing is I think largely a cultural thing and bigger, older and larger projects enforce that kind of policy. People publishing individual um, NPM packages tend to not bother with the license statement in yeah. every file. So you mentioned you might want to notify people of the licenses of your dependencies that might be in a vendor folder or something. Right. Does it does it make a difference whether or not um, your dependencies are actually committed into the repo or if you're using NPM, for instance, to pull them in. Yes, it does make a difference because if uh, if you're just referencing them uh, in a dependency file and you don't haven't made a copy of them in the repo, then you're probably not distributing those dependencies to users to users so that you don't actually have any obligations under their copyright licenses. So if you have like a let's say you have a thousand 
you have an, and you're publishing your own NPM module that has a thousand dependencies on other modules and they're all under an <laughs> MIT license. That's like a lot of different copies of the MIT license with their associated copyright statements that um, in theory you would need to copy, but because you're doing it by reference, you don't have to keep a copy of those licenses. Now, if you're actually, if you're shipping a program in a way that the code from all of those modules ends up actually getting distributed to users, then you'll actually want to provide those licenses to the users. And you can see uh, cases where that is done. If like in the Chrome browser, you type Chrome colon slash last credits, you'll actually see a web page, a like built-in web page that has all of the licensing information for all of the dependencies that end up getting shipped with Chrome. The Atom editor is another example of that. If you go to, um, I don't know, I think about licenses, it'll bring up a file with all of the, all of the licenses involved. If you, so if you're actually vendoring dependencies, then you'll want to pay closer attention to what the licenses are. You may fulfill the license requirements um, just by virtue of having the vendor dependencies which have the license files in them. But um, but it's it's very helpful to know. If you're doing that, it's very helpful to note in the README so that uh, reusers who might have different uh, concerns about licensing than, than you do as a developer uh, can be certain to vet the, uh, the full set of licenses that they need to when deciding to use the software. Okay, um, I have another question from earlier when we were talking about derivatives. Sure. You mentioned that if you're changing the code or making patches, then that's a derivative. But what if you're just using that code as a dependency? Does your does your code that's using that as a dependency, is that a derivative? Um, that's a good question. That's not a totally subtle question. And uh, certain, li certain copyleft licenses will stipulate that it is a derivative and you'll want to license your, you'll want to use those dependencies accordingly as if it is because you don't want to take on legal liability based on a theory that may or may not be, you know, you, that you may or may not win with because you don't want to get sued in the first place or have a takedown notice or, or get shaken down, et cetera. So it's somewhat of an open question, but if you're using it, if you have a dependency that is a, uh, that's under a copyleft license, then in general, you'll want to treat your program as having to comply with the, um, with the conditions of that copyleft license. And it gets, it can get very complicated depending on exactly what kind of dependency it is. And if it's a C program, whether you're creating a static binary or, um, or dynamically linking to the program. And uh, there's a variant of the GPL called the LGPL that gives some affordances for making certain kinds of for using a different license for the larger program in some cases, but it's actually quite, um, the details really matter. And if you want to do something like use a copyleft dependency uh, in a way that will be shipped with your program or as a runtime dependency, then you, uh, the easy way to comply is just to make your program be GPL. And that's often the right 
thing to do if your business doesn't require otherwise. But if your business does require otherwise, then you need to consult with a lawyer to make sure you uh, get to deal to make sure that you actually comply with the the uh, details of the license and aren't skirting around the edges because skirting around the edges is a very good way to eventually get sued. When it comes to, we talk mostly about software, but what about things like um, giving a talk at a conference or having a podcast or writing a blog? How do licenses apply to that? For instance, I haven't, I haven't even chosen a license for this podcast. I never even thought about it. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, all of, uh, in short, all of those things, at least when they're in the fixed and tangible medium are, which, you know, like the digital file created from a podcast are, are copyrighted works. So you could, so right now you're not offering any license whatsoever. I mean, there, there's, you know, probably some implied license by publishing it on the web. That means that people aren't going to get in trouble from downloading the, downloading the podcast from your sites, but um, you haven't given permission to other people to redistribute it, for example, or to take excerpts and, and using it. I mean, presentations are actually a great example because that a presentation will general will often use a bunch of works from other people. So let's say that somebody wanted to use an excerpt from your podcast in a presentation they were giving. Well, you haven't given them permission to do, to do that. So they might be able to do it anyway under fair use, but that's a whole other, yeah. a whole other thing. Um, so I saw in your blog that says everything by me published anywhere except where otherwise noted is dedicated to the public domain. Yes. And I was just curious about that. Why, why did you decide to do this? Uh, just because I, I, in general, I'm for intellectual freedom and don't want to put myself in the position of censorship, of being a censor. And I mean, that's fundamentally what uh, enforcing your copyright involves. Because as, as I said towards the very beginning, you don't, as a copyright holder, you don't have magical control that prevents people from sharing or using your works, but you do have the ability to go and submit a takedown or sue them or threat or otherwise threaten them. And I just don't want to be in a position of being that, of being that person. And I don't, and I'm not, uh, I don't need to be in that. I don't, I don't have a business need for doing that. Now, of course, uh, a lot of the work I do now is, is copyright uh, my employer. So that statement doesn't apply. I'm just not the copyright holder there period. But, um, so if I, uh, so, I mean, fundamentally I have a commitment to free speech and free knowledge and no particular individual business reason to go around wanting, having the ability to sue people. And I, I guess also you might, I mean, another thing is why the public domain and not, why don't I release everything I have personal IP in under an open license? And I think that's just because licenses are complicated. And uh, I think that complication, um, I would like to not burden it with people unless it's really, 
unless it's really necessary. Sounds good. Um, so that's just a statement. Is Does that count as a license? Oh, well, that's another kind of existential question people have about the public domain is whether a public domain dedication, which can take various forms, is a waiver or a license or something else and whether or not it's effective. And I, I think it's perfectly fine to think of it as a license. Uh, if you conceptually a license is, well, an, op an open source license anyway, is just a offer of permission to the public, possibly with some conditions, a public domain dedication waiver, whatever you want to call it, is just an offer to the public of a broad set of permissions without any, without any conditions whatsoever. So it's just an, I actually prefer to call them unconditional licenses because it's just a license without any conditions. It's not this magical thing. They have to argue about whether or not the public domain actually exists or in certain jurisdictions, whether it's possible to have a public domain, uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Is there, is there a license that one could use on, on their blog that is, is a license, but it has no restrictions similar to that statement? Yes. Well, CC0 is the, is the license or legal instrument uh, that is most commonly used for works other than software. And that CC0 actually goes through some hoops to try to address all people's weird concerns about the public domain. And so it's a waiver that says I waive my any interest I might have as a copyright holder. It also has a fallback license that says basically if that waiver does not stand up legally for some reason that I'm also offering this broad permissive license that doesn't have any conditions. Um, you can also use, there, there are several other options like the, the unlicensed and zero BSD licenses are basically MIT and BSD style licenses that don't have any condition. And there, uh, there are other ones that I am forgetting off the top of my head. Oh, there's also the other famous one, I guess it's called a WTF PL license, which doesn't have any conditions, but it's strongly not recommended because unlike every other instrument we've discussed, it doesn't have any disclaimer of warranty or liability, which is something that is another important reason actually to, to use a lot, even if you're using a proprietary license, if you're not off, but any license that you offer will, whether it's open source or a proprietary license is also going to have a disclaimer of, of liability and warranties because you don't want to take on any, um, any risk by publishing software because uh, and we live in a litigious society and not only do you want to not have any risk from copyright holders suing you, but also uh, you want to disclaim any liability you might have from, I don't know, people using your software to uh, build a self-driving car and get crashes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend not using the W. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming cool. on the show. Thanks a lot for running the show. Uh -huh.